Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right. You guys, if you have ever listened to one of my podcasts, please make it this one. Obviously you're here. So that's a good sign, but I am talking today with a doctor of sexual wellness and I have learned from him more than I have learned in my 10 years of studying dating and sexuality and all of the things. I was just looking at the download numbers of all of our previous episodes and like seven out of the top 10 were about dating, which is no wonder because our society is confused this subject, right? We're like, sex is not a big deal, but it is. And we're going to put it on every billboard, but it's not a big deal. But like, we know it is a big deal. And there's so much confusion around this subject and no one really knows how to do this thing well. So I am really, really pumped to bring you guys my new friend, Dr. Joe Malone. He's going to unpack so much wisdom for you guys today. After we recorded, he was like, make sure you say this in the intro, (laughs) that he talks often throughout our conversation about women's superpower, about how you have this like in intuition a women's intuition. And that is because his research shows that women are four times more sexually intelligent than men at your age, at the age of like puberty to young thirties. He's going to unpack why for you, but he want to make sure I let you guys know that wowza four times sexually more intelligent than your, our guys, friends at the stage. Now we love dudes. This is not saying you're smarter boys and Jupiter and stupid or whatever that saying goes. This is just actually, as he says, women's superpower to raise the bar in dating, to decide what matters when it comes to your bodies and what you accept from guys. Like, it's incredible. I, I'm so excited. Okay, here's the episode. If you are between the ages of 18 and young 30s and reaching for that best version of yourself, you are in the right place. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I am an author and speaker to over 30 colleges nationwide. With the heart behind everything I do to be who I needed when I was younger. On this podcast, I interview experts in their field and 20-somethings alike. We'll talk about finances, physical wellness, dealing with your inner mean girl, and you better believe we're going to talk about guys. Our mission here is to empower your socks off and definitely drop some truth bombs along the way. All right, let's get to it and unpack some truths for your 20s. This is potentially going to be one of my most favorite episodes. I'm interviewing Dr. Joe Malone. He is a doctor in sexual health. Is that right? Am I saying that right, Dr. Joe? That's correct. Sexual wellness. Sexual wellness. And how he got here is fascinating. The incredible ideas and just research he has found about women's health and how that affects to our sexuality and dating culture and marriage and how it all works together. I have been studying this for years and have learned so much through getting to know him that I did not know before. And so I'm willing to bet you are going to learn something new today as well. So without further ado, Dr. Joe, welcome to the podcast. And I would love for you just to kind of introduce yourself. Thanks, Katie. Well, I want to make my introduction very short because I want to get to the information that's probably most um, interesting to these young women that are going to be watching this. So really, I came into higher education and got into the whole sorority world uh, through the fitness industry. And to make make a really long s- story short, I, it was in the 90s and early 2000s, and there was tons of people that were having trouble f- you know, with their health. 
And I literally had people die under my hands, you know, trying to give them um, CPR that from heart attacks, that type of thing. Got me very disillusioned, very discouraged with the whole fitness industry because we were dealing with one person at a time. And there's just a few of us, you know, and all these people that were that were really ill because of their lifestyle. And so I was about ready to quit that whole thing, the whole industry. But then I came across some research um, that young women, girls and young women going from the time that they're, you know, basically hit puberty through the time they have babies, their, their, their health state really affects that baby as they carry it in their womb. It affects them for their whole life. And so really you can affect many people's future health by helping young women and girls um, become more healthy. It ended up encouraging me because I realized, hey, you know, if we work with young women, uh, high school and college age, we can affect the health future uh, by working with one young woman, for instance, the average, you know, number of kids is two. So you've got three people that you're really working with, you know, for the future. And plus her husband probably is going to be more influenced by her culturally in the, in the home than, than, than she is by him. So really up to four people you're working with, maybe even five or six, because some people are having a lot more kids these days. So we got into it from that perspective and, um, started teaching at Middle Tennessee State University and was in the process of getting my PhD, moving up from a, a master's. And um, so I created this women's wellness class and because uh, I realized that they had a lot of different goals, you know, even fitness wise. They didn't want to do the big hulking weights. They wanted to trim down and the guys want to do the opposite at that, at that, that age. So I created this women's personal conditioning class and it was very popular. And did my PhD work on that by basically interviewing them, focus groups with them. Uh, for five years, I taught all women's, all college women classes. And then from that, the um, sorority women I had in my classes asked me to start coming to their sororities and speaking. And in the midst of it, in the midst of talking to them, I realized that, yes, their, you know, their fitness levels were hurting in most cases. They were having trouble with where they wanted to be with their weight. They didn't, they didn't know exactly what to eat. And so there are problems there. Also, they didn't seem to have time to fit in, you know, uh, workouts, uh, that type of thing. But even greater, an even greater problem with them and challenge to them was this thing that they started making me aware of, hookup culture on the college campus. I mean, in some of these interviews and some of these, you know, focus groups, that was, that was the topic of conversation, how they were being wrecked basically emotionally and um heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak and that was one of the biggest outcomes of the class so that that made me realize eventually and kind of right in the middle of my phd work that it wasn't so much their traditional health and wellness i needed to be worried about the biggest challenge for them was their sexual um health and wellness i ended up writing a book about it battles of the sexes my co-author on it was one of my former students who ended up being a nutritionist but the major push and thrust of the book ended up being really uh, the relationships and sex differences, the differences between males and females, especially at that age. That's the greatest age of difference between males and females hormonally. And so behavior patterns are very, very different. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you say in your studies that you kind of basically 
found that being able to encourage and educate a young woman on caring for herself um, mentally, physically, you know, sexually, that can affect up to three generations behind her with her, the health of her eggs and sexuality. Is that correct? That's correct. Especially on the female side, because the um, eggs for her daughter are already in place in her. So isn't that, that is wild. That is I've never heard that. That's amazing. Yeah. And of course that affects her daughter and her daughter. It actually goes, actually goes down two generations. The health of a current 20 year old, you know, how she cares for her body could affect her children and her grandchildren. Yes. It was a huge issue with the young women I was working with their bodies, their body image and all that. And we made a lot of progress in that area as well. But again, I just realized that a lot of what was driving, you know, some of this binge eating they were doing and some of the, mistreatment of their own bodies, uh, um, you know, binge drinking, you know, alcohol, that type of thing. A lot of it was trying to cope with this, how they felt about the relationships they had or the the lack of relationships they had. You kind of got discouraged trying to help individuals who were unhealthy physically, but realized you can make a greater impact by educating young women because it could affect so many generations and not only educating them physically, but educating them with the, how to care for their bodies that are sexual health, um, because that made the greatest impact. Is that a fair sum up? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So yeah, it kind of just, uh, evolved, so to speak, you know, into where I am today with this really female sexual wellness. Greatest impact is possible. And you found that the way that this, that's why I found so fascinating. Like everyone wants to make a difference in their life and that's awesome. But you're like, okay, how many birds in one stone? And, and this is it. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And that's why when I met you, Katie, I thought, wow, I finally found somebody that also kind of gets, uh, gets the insight that I've had, which is that sorority girls can change the world, you know, really? I mean, that's what I came across. The other research I came across was how influential fraternity men and sorority women were once they graduated and went into their lives because it's the basis for a ton of leadership into the future. And I believe if we can get these, particularly these young women, um, understanding, uh, their situation, the guy's situation and kind of the whole, uh, the way it is and the way it should be maybe in the future that they can be the force going in the future that will change the future. So you alluded to this a second ago, but generally speaking, um, and we'll just use a college girl as an example, a college girl, you know, going into dating and all this kind of stuff, she has instincts as, as a man does as well for what is best for her when it comes to dating, um, hookups, sex, whatever you want to call it. And you have a lot of research on that. Talk to me about what comes natural to the guy versus the girl and how they can kind of differentiate all of that. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Actually, that's a crucial question. I'm just going to talk directly to you. you the, you're the most difference from males than you will be. You were earlier in your life and you are to be later in your life because the hormone patterns at your young adulthood stage are so far apart. The males have like seven to eight to 10 times as much testosterone on average as you do. They're also, their brains are configured, they're actually literally different than, than your brain is. The male sexual pursuit area in the brain is two and a half times greater, bigger than the female it's it's affected and yours is also affected by testosterone levels but again they're very low for a female very high for a male there's even different parts of the brain uh deal with sex between young women and young men young men's area of the brain is really their the lower part of the brain the limbic system where it's kind of a need that needs to be an urge that needs to be um taken care of 
you know, like a, an itch, a really bad itch that needs to be scratched. Young women's brain area, though, is really further up in their frontal cortex. And in the frontal cortex is where we do all of our, our thinking, you know, our analyzing, our executive decisions. And really, it's the ideal part of the brain to deal with sex. So the, the young woman analyzes it. And also, you know, in that part, we have these desires to b- bond with people and we have these t- desires to be intimate, basically romantic things, you know. And so she's thinking that way. And he's thinking the other way as far as like wanting to, he wants to get to it. He wants to get to the physical act. And so with, with the history of how we got here, a little over 100 years ago, young women and young men, really, they had to go through their parents' home. It's called a calling era. They had to call. The young men had to call on the young woman. He had to be given like a card, a calling card. That's where they get, that's where they get that. Both the mother and the, the, the daughter invited him over, and they would spend time with, you know, in the parlor and that type of thing. Well, again, once the car was invented, you know, a little less than 100 years ago now, dating started happening. And so dating was, you know, it was actually pretty good. And again, on college campuses, there are many fewer uh, young women than there were men. And so the, 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 the girls were in demand. And so they could demand behavior from the, the, the boys and the demand, males. Like the girls demand, you mean like kind of like, I'm not going to date a guy who's not treating me well, kind of? Exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and then after World War II, you know, that 1945 to 1965 is kind of the golden era of what I call the romance culture. But then from 1945 to 1965, things changed on college campuses, 65 on, especially in my heyday, which is the mid 70s, colleges got rid of a lot of the approach they'd had before where they had separate dorms, you know, uh, sex segregated dorms. They had these student conduct policies that kept, you know, young women, young men from just indiscriminately being with each other, staying overnight and that type of thing. And also during this time period, females on college campuses was going up this whole time. So pretty soon and today, you know, males are in the minority. Females are in the majority on almost every uh, college campus. The administrators at colleges really had taken on the role all those years of being kind of parents, you know, in, instead of the parents being there, they were there and they were the ones that, that, encouraged girls and young men to behave well kind of all of that kind of went out the window with the mid-60s on with the vietnam war protests and stuff that you kind of still see to this very day still that same kind of strain of we don't want to have any kind of rules that's when hookup culture really came in the feminists have come across with the idea as a as a female basically you know you're not you're not a liberated woman you're not you're not a um, full-blown college woman. And really, to get back to the basis of your question, I just kind of want to take us through the history there. Really, that goes against all of the female instincts, not wanting to be sexual until there's an established relationship, until there's investment shown by the, the young man. And, and really, you know, emotional intimacy and an ongoing established relationship is what most women require to be involved in some kind of a sexual uh, relationship. Okay, so is hookup culture hurtful? Like, you know, there's plenty of songs that says it's not a big deal. There's plenty of movies. There's like, you know, do what feels good. You know, we have this culture of, um, you know, no rules, You just kind of do what feels good in the moment. Like talk to us about that. I mean, is that okay? You know, that's what a lot of people would argue. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Absolutely. It's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, this is part of why I got into this and part of why I'm so 
you know, fired up about it. My experience on the college campus, the university campus, was that, you know, I was thinking these other, these administrators would be, uh, would kind of catch on to the situation and realize how much damage was being done to these girls. And they didn't seem to care. As a matter of fact, you know, the only thing that they seemed to be concerned with was what they called rape culture, you know, consent, that type of thing. And of course, we're all concerned about that. But what I realized in my research was that about 80% of sexual assault, non-consensual sex, however you want to phrase it, happens within a hookup situation. Okay, so these young women that are getting raped, it isn't some guy jumping out behind the bushes. It's somebody that you're out on a date with or not even that not even a date just a hookup just going back to their room or whatever and uh, they don't listen when you say you just when you determine you don't want to do this next thing or you know any of it that type of thing so and that really is a tough thing to avoid because males as i was alluding to earlier their sexual systems i'm not making excuses for them but their sexual systems are set to once they get aroused um they want to take action they did a study it's pretty famous of these college uh, men that, you know, they get they put a, a computer in front of them with like pictures of the country, you know, these pastoral scenes. And they ask them questions like, you know, would you ever consider having sex with a 12 year old? Would you ever give a, a girl date rape drug? Uh, would you ever have sex with a girl that was too drunk to know to give consent? All those questions were no when they're looking at the country scenes on the computer. Then they put pornographic scenes on, on the computer. Those answers all turn to yes, an emphatic yes. They would think about all those things. So really, males, when they get aroused, their ethical thinking just kind of drops through the floor, basically. And, and again, it's a function of how, how they're made compared to how the, the women are. Wow. And so that is to speak to women. You know, we say like, well, of course you don't want to end up having sex with someone you don't know or this hookup culture, but you also don't want to have too many shots of tequila and wind up in his room with a door locked, you know, like, yeah. and, and, and it's, we're not demonizing guys because this is all part of their design and it's all part of, um, all part of a ultimately good des design. And I know that you have a lot of research on that as well, but women playing the part in that is, not getting ourselves. Um, and this is tricky because a girl like, no, I'm not saying anyone is asking to be in that situation, but these are just kind of opening our eyes on how we can kind of avoid those situations. Yeah. There's dangers there. What you said earlier, Katie, the guys aren't designed for this. They're not designed to have an environment where they can freely have sexual access to these, to these young women. And so again, it's kind of like a bull in a China closet, so to speak. The way it's been done in the past, as I was describing earlier, going back to dating, the dating culture and you know, romance culture, I would call it, and, and the calling culture, they were, there was controls put in place. And so, you know, again, it's, it's an unnatural situation going back into the past. Promiscuity, human promiscuity has not been a natural situation over the vast majority of human history. We're in an unfortunate new era here that was putting, again, a lot of young women into a very unnatural and very detrimental place. All right. Well, let's just think about it this way. Then how does sex affect women differently than it does men? Well, okay. Again, excellent question. <laughs> this is really at the heart of what I hope young women can start to really understand. Sex uh, with young women, there's neurochemicals, the biochemicals 
dopamine, estrogen, and basically uh, for women, oxytocin. And oxytocin is the the bonding chemical. You probably most of you young ladies have heard of it before. Well, it is all those are really um, charged, hypercharged by having a sexual uh, encounter with a guy, especially intercourse. A young woman that has intercourse with a young, a young man will have a strong tendency to uh, bond with that young man, whether they're calling it a hookup, whatever they're calling it. On the other hand, young men who have uh, intercourse with a young woman, basically uh, the bonding chemical for young men is vasopressin. And it's a bit different than oxytocin. It's similar, but it's a bit different in a crucial way. Because if they have sex, and especially if he has an orgasm, which happens most of the time, this vasopressin buildup, which is the bonding chemical for the for the guys, uh, just goes, it just drops like a rock. The way the vasopressin builds up, again, this is the male bonding chemical. And this has only been discovered in the last maybe five, seven years. So this is really the news I want to get out there <laughs> to the girls vasopressin if this male is held off because it's this will work from you know any any male from puberty up if sex is denied them and they feel this attraction to this girl that vasopressin just keeps building up in their system old school calling culture old school romance culture or dating culture like we used to call it if it's that kind of situation the vasopressin will continue to build up and that's important because in his brain, literally vasopressin receptors are being created. Mm -hmm. So they aren't there to begin with. But if this attraction goes on, if there's this romance, you know, kind of like you see in a a romance movie type of a a situation uh, where sex is not, you know, uh, taken part in, the romance creates the vasopressin in his brain, the vasopressin creates the receptors for it in his brain, eventually he is bonded to her you know she becomes his woman so to speak he becomes hopefully his fiance she becomes hopefully his his wife that's the way it's supposed to work and that's the way it's worked in the past but with girls and women being pushed towards this hookup culture and being told that that they naturally want to go have sex like the guys do that there are no biological sex differences. It's all just what society tells us. It's just socially constructed. They're being pushed into this unnatural situation where there's all these uh, depression and cutting and uh, women, you know, uh, having all these downer downer situations after these hookups, uh, where especially where intercourse has taken place, where they've bonded and where the guy hasn't. There are species that are designed, and I believe by God, but this is all scientific. So I did this research all scientifically outside of my Christian belief system. But there are species designed by God uh, to be promiscuous. One of them is chimpanzees. And basically, you know, their bodies are, are, are made for it. I mean, you can look at, literally look at their bodies and look at our bodies and see that we're designed for monogamy. And they're designed for promiscuity. Quick question. I just want to sum up. I love everything you're saying. And I want to kind of reiterate in the third grade terms that I that perhaps. So, um, okay. Vasopressin is the bonding chemical for men. And that grows more and more if sex is withheld. So in a dating relationship, the longer they date, he is more and more bonded and connected to this female. Is that correct? Almost. Uh, it, it does keep the levels high. 
he's around this woman he, he is attracted to. He loves being around her. You know how that is, being yeah. in love, infatuated, and that type of thing. It creates receptors in his brain for the bonding, for the chemical to actually be able to go there and kind of lock, as they call it, they lock in. And once that happens, once that both the receptors are there and the vasopressin is, re, remains high because he's, he's around this woman he's attracted to, that's when he bonds to her. So okay. the, the, the receptors are what take a while to, to build up. With women, it's, it's much quicker with oxytocin. Women will have a, a tendency to fall in love with generally whoever they have, have intercourse with. Wow. So in a perfect design, though, this is beautiful because a man grows to love and court and fall in love. And like you said, fiance and marry this woman. Um, so those receptors are growing and growing and that bond is growing. And then they have, um, you know, intercourse and she, that oxytocin is bonded as well. And of course she's falling in love along the way, I'm sure. Right. Um, and then, and so then they have this, this bond, I, I like to call it uh, concrete, this concrete bond. And with, can then at that point withstand the storms of life and all the craziness. So um, it's good in its original design. It's just messed up in the way we treat it today, I guess. Yeah. About for about the last 30 years, basically. Yeah. yeah and, and when you're married, okay, I've been married for a long time and I'm glad I'm, I'm hap very happily married, but when you're married, it doesn't go away as far as with guys, guys are still attracted, especially to other women, not in the same way they are to their wives necessarily, but there's this unfortunate tendency with all that testosterone and the brain built the way that it is. And I didn't mention this, but it's also the male brain is built visually. That part of the brain that's the male uh, sexual pursuit part is right behind where the chiasm from the eyeballs come in, where the, the, the impulses from what you see. For a, a relationship to develop into a marriage, it's important, I think, along the way for both, but especially the male to kind of build up those muscles of, hey, this is my woman. It's kind of, you know, you're, I, you become the protector of that woman. Also, you're protecting her against any other guy wanting to try to move in on her. But you build up sort of a muscle, so to speak, of focus on, on her and discipline, a discipline to not be, not follow those whims to go with and be with some, somebody else. So, I think people that get married and they don't have, you know, they haven't had a long courtship. They haven't had a long courtship of where they've abstained from sex and, and built these bonds up that we're talking about. Once they get married, you know, a lot of times, again, it can be where the, especially the guy starts wandering around, so to speak. Uh, adultery is the number one cause of divorce in the United States. About 37% of, uh, of divorces are caused by adultery. And I would guess that most of those are, are on the male side. Okay, go back to, you know, the animal kingdom and how we are designed for monogamy in your research. Okay, well, again, I'm going to presume that everybody's okay with some, um, you know, uh, more uh, forthright terms, more explicit terms, but promiscuous species, their bodies are designed in the following way. The males have, in proportion to other species like our species, have gigantic testicles. Chimpanzee has, uh, I'll just put it in the plain uh, language, balls that are three times as big as a human, human male's brains. And human males wow. have brains that are three times as big as the, as the chimpanzee's balls. The reason for that is there's a competition that goes on between males in most species with other males for these women. And that's the way it should be. And again, the females are the ones, please realize 
ladies. You control the whole situation. You have this superpower if you will just use it. But well, yeah, I was going to say there's a song in the 90s um, by the Bloodhound Gang, a one hit wonder by some not so wise guys who saying you and me baby ain't nothing but mammals so let's do it like they do on the discovery channel so yeah. um I'm, I'm i'm sure they were very wise scientists these guys the bloodhound gang <laughs> perhaps you could um you could you know tell us the truth behind that well the truth is again uh even though we're genetically very similar to them we're not designed that way our bodies like i was saying our males uh balls so to speak are three times smaller than a chimpanzee's and our brains are three times bigger, which I think are, are, are more useful. Our females are continuously receptive where theirs aren't. The chimpanzees are totally immune to chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and several other STDs. Humans are very susceptible, as you probably know, especially human women. Uh, all the STDs hit their highest level ever starting in 2015 and they've only continued to rise. So I believe that God made human females that way because he didn't want us to be polygynous he wanted us to be monogamous i know i told you this episode was going to be amazing right <laughs> all right quick interruption because this is a perfect opportunity for me to remind you i am partnering with elevari jewelry and their big hashtag is fashion your faith so you might be listening like oh my gosh like i want to raise the bar in dating but like this is hard right i get it i get it sister you know this is a society where you feel alone sometimes if you're trying to stand for more and raise the bar in dating founder and designer angela blair started this company with this whole idea in mind she was ridiculed in front of a live studio audience for her decision to wait for marriage which of course felt very alone at that moment. But a young girl broke through security and said, I just want to thank you for making that stand. That is my decision too. And she looked down at her promise ring and she realized in that moment, Christian jewelry and promise rings, so to speak, aren't really known for being fashionable. So she set out to change all of that with Fashion Your Faith and Elevari Jewelry. So check it out. I have it links on my website at katiebulmer.life or elevarijewelry.com. There are beautiful pieces, earrings, necklaces, and rings just to remind you that you belong to a larger sisterhood, that you are not alone out there. These little pieces of jewelry are designed with you in mind to help remind you that I don't care what happened last spring break, three years ago, or last night. There is incredible power when women stand up saying, the pen is in my hand. I'm writing the story of my life one decision at a time, and I want to write a dang good story. And what's even more powerful is women around you with the same belief, this larger sisterhood of women raising the bar. It's just a powerful, powerful thing. So I guess getting back to that, then scientifically speaking, what is best for our brains, for our bodies, for our future? You know, how can we, how can we move forward? Well, the, the old school approach to it again, from about 1955 back and people say, well, you know, we can't go back to those days. I say, why not? Because over history, again, I've studied this historically as well. The pendulum has, the pendulum has swung back and forth. Yeah. between sexualized and, and less sexualized culture. And most of the time it's been less sexualized. It's been very controlled. Going back to that approach, you just let him know, hey, you know, I, I'm, I, you may call me old school. Uh, what, you can call me whatever you want to, but uh, I don't intend to have any kind of sexual relationships until, you know, uh, ideally until I'm married. Um, maybe, you know, for some it might be a, a very strong, you know, relationship, maybe an engagement relationship. I can't make the decision for them, but 
in for order for it to work the correct way for humans, it needs to be a situation where it's delayed. Sexual delay for the guy, absolutely imperative. Now, it's good for the woman, too, because you got all these uh, dangers with STDs and, and, and all the emotional dangers and all that type of thing. It, you add it all up, and really, there's, uh, it's, it's all a losing situation when you have premarital sex. It's all a winning situation when you don't have premarital sex going. And again, especially for the, for the females, because, again, you weren't designed that way. You're not a chimpanzee. Yeah. Really, what you, I think what you could say is that women who go in the direction I'm talking about, I'm talking about saving sex for marriage. I'm talking about really developing a uh, close and intimate uh, really partnership with this guy that you're going to get married to someday and then share all this, you know, fun sex with him for the rest of your lives. You've got the rest of your life to ha have sex. You're so wise in that. And you also are going with your natural tendencies. You're going with what makes you feel right. Because if I'm talking to some folks out there, some, some girls and young women that have been sexually active, I have no condemnation for you. I have nothing but, but, um, desire to help the situation. I was not, I didn't come into this, uh, during my college years. Like I said, it was when the things kind of really broke open as far as all this goes. I wasn't any kind of angel or, or saint. And I look back on, it, I wish I was, I was better at it all. I wish I knew what I then what I know now, but what I'm getting at is if you've been sexually active, doesn't mean you have to continue to be sexually active. I believe virginity, the idea of it can be recovered. Yeah. Um, my wife won't like me saying this, but <laughs> hopefully she won't see it. But, you know, we had been sexually active in, as time went on in our relationship eventually. But both of us eventually, and she especially, like I've been describing, you know, I could tell there were issues with, with it was not uh, good for her. There's a lot of stress to it. And we both, probably a year or so, at least before our marriage, we both said, we're done with this. <laughs> it kind of gets me emotional, but uh, we're done with this uh, sex before marriage. We want to be special, you know, and uh, so we did. We stopped and uh, it was our wedding night was much, much more special than it ever would have, would have been otherwise. And and I definitely bonded to her, you know, by that time. So no, that's it's a powerful thing and again the girls and young women have this powerful weapon superpower you can call it what you want to but generally they have to be the ones that enforce it because your minds your eyes and minds you're not set up to be promiscuous and there are reasons again you feel the way you do after maybe you've had a sexual uh, experience there's a there's studies out there one that comes to mind right off the bat of women, but not men, having these emotional alarms as they get in, into culture. Basically, in the beginning, you know, like freshman year at college, uh, literally, just the studies studied this. They they wanted to have this coming out kind of a deal, you know, especially like maybe the sorority sisters. Who is the most popular? Who is the who is the most sexy? And and that type of thing. You know, that that went on for a while. They had hookups, and they got they started getting experience. You know, college freshmen. But pretty soon they found themselves having these emotional alarms. This isn't right. You know, this isn't the way I was designed to, to be. And so they kind of go along with it then, you know, six months, a year later into it, uh, kind of grudgingly. And then eventually, you know, these guys don't, don't call them back. They don't, 
even sometimes act like they know them afterwards. Eventually, on the third stage of it, they decide I'm not gonna put, I'm not gonna have any of this anymore. I'm not gonna do it anymore. But they've been through who knows how many times of feeling emotionally upset, uh, depressed. Girls and women's depression levels are are extremely high, and happiness levels. You know, again, I mentioned I kind of came of age during kind of the the beginning heyday, so to speak, of, of the sexual revolution, the, the mid seventies. And from about the mid seventies forward, girls and young women's happiness levels that they had kept track of for all these years before that and all the years since started dropping. And oh, before, before, yeah, before this, and, and women's happiness levels were higher than men's. But around 1990, again, starting in the mid seventies, they started dropping. About 1990, they they passed men on the way down, and men are now happier than women on that average. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with you know, this situation we're describing, women in general, women worldwide are not designed for this environment. It's like you're out of your environment. A woman who's divorced has about a 50% uh, greater chance of death from all causes. A guy, take a guess how much a guy has as far as his his chance of death from all causes if he's divorced. 40%? Greater oh my chance. word! All of his health indicators are better. His mental health is, you know, physical health and mental health are better. Really, when it comes down to it, it's kind of one of those ironies in life. Uh, even though everything I've said about the guys and again their nature being different from the the girls' nature is 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 as I've described, they're m- most benefited by having a, a marriage and having you know this woman that. Generally, she has all these relationships that are supportive relationships that he doesn't have. Generally, yeah. guys don't have nearly, you know, married guys going into the future don't have n- nearly as many good relationships as, as the, their wife does. So she benefits him through all of these, you know, social fabric that she's part of. And a guy, again, getting, getting divorced is a huge, it's much, much more detrimental to a guy to get divorced. Men need women that yeah. they need that one special woman but they just don't necessarily always know it, you know, at the stage of, of the, the high school and college. Oh, that's so powerful. Now I'm thinking about my grandparents. They were married for um, 50 plus years. And when my grandmother passed away, my uh, granddad was like, how do I cook? How do, how do I wash laundry? Like, you know, and, and that was obviously older and, you know, my husband can cook and do laundry now, but definitely generally speaking, yeah, it's not just cooking and doing laundry too. It's that life partnership and, Oh, that's so fascinating. All right. So can you just paint for us an ideal way of um, the way this is supposed to work? So in an ideal way, like marriage, sex, I only have eyes for you. You are my one and only, like the beauty of it, scientifically speaking, and how we can get back to that. Um, even I know, like you said, there this idea of new virginity can be claimed. And I love the story of you and your wife. So I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't care what happened last spring break. The girl who's listening to this and wants this, this beautiful relationship that I believe was designed from the very beginning, how do we get back to that? Well, again, that is a, that is a, a, a life changing question. One other thing before I get to the specific answer to that, we don't do a good job in the society. And I want all you ladies out there to realize that our society needs to do better at making marriage, putting it in, um, putting in the place it deserves. We need to put marriage up there and a bar as how much effort we put into 
getting ready for it as far as um you know uh, it's it's worthwhile to study some of these things and, and and study what we're saying here about the sexuality i mean there's sources for it it, it really it seems too simple but women were designed for a man to know them intimately and to take care of them intimately and again that takes time it takes a courtship it takes a man i believe being chivalrous to a, a woman open the door for her uh take care of her put her on a pedestal it isn't because you're weak it is uh, ladies it isn't because you have anything less it actually only puts you in, in i think your proper place that you're to be treasured by these guys but the way your sexuality works that I haven't mentioned earlier is that in order for you even to have an orgasm, in most cases, you have to feel relaxed. Your autonomic nervous system, they call it, this parasympathetic part of it, has to be able to relax. And, you know, each one of your pelvises, so to speak, is individual. I mean, some of it's wired differently. It's wired. And when I mean, say wired, I mean, uh, innervated is the technical term, the nerves to it. There's all these different configurations of, of uh, innervation and what will make satisfy you basically sexually. So that doesn't, you don't have that happen on a hookup because the guy doesn't know anything about you, you know? Amen. And, and you're probably, you're both drunk, you know, and, and it's just a, it's just a hot mess. As, as, I always as, say, would you rather him be an expert on a hundred girls on that campus or an expert on you? Because that's what fuels, you know, romance. Right. And so that's why romance is so important. That's why that you make it clear to these guys that you're just not going to, you know, you're not going to be sexual with anybody that you haven't gone a long ways as far as getting to know and them getting to know you. And then also showing you that they care about you. It is a situation that demands the woman be strong, strong about her boundaries, strong about her belief system. Those are what you go to. Again, I don't want to get emotional about it, but it's it's been taught to you in many cases. If it hasn't, I'm trying to teach you right now. You are worth the wait, okay? You are worth the wait. Going back to having the expectation that mar- that sex is not going to happen until till marriage happens, or you know, um, you're going to work as hard as you can against it, because I know I know how hard that can be to be in those situations and also kind of have the the social pressure. The reality is that about a third of women on college campuses don't take part in hookup culture. The problem is, is there's about 50% that think everybody else is having sex and, and they feel like they're supposed to be having it. And so they join in even though they don't feel like, like they should. Put all that into your thinking. If you have a religious, I'm going to say, you know, I'm a Christian, doesn't mean you are, you might be from some other faith, but almost all faiths, um, agree that saving sex for marriage is is the, the the right way to and the best way to go about it and they're absolutely right they're absolutely right okay so getting back into that whole world if you're if you dropped out of your church if you're you know you go off to college you, you, don't, you don't get into you know you left home so you don't go to church anymore get into a church where you are and i don't i don't mean to yell at you this just is it's so important um get into a church and make some um friendships there in essence go out with each other romance each other woman in most cases you're the you're the gatekeeper you are the enforcer as far as sexuality goes but again god made you that way you're able to have this more 
sensible and cerebral mindset about sex where you can think it through and you can be the, the more the sensible, the adult in the room, so to speak, you know, and this guy that you're going out with, again, hopefully he, he becomes the one and you become the one to him that you're bonding together for a lifetime of, of sex with. Hopefully that process will take place as I've described it because of your strength because of your determination, because of your superpower. And again, you're setting yourself up for a huge success story in, in your life, as opposed to probably a lot of you have witnessed uh, when marriages go, go bad. Probably you come from situations where marriages have gone bad with, your, with, with folks in, in your past. So we've been pushed in this direction into this crazy situation we're in by some people that didn't have our best interests at in, in heart. And again, girls, your family has your best interests at heart. Your church has your best interests at heart. I have your best interests at heart. Katie Cardi, has your best interests at heart. Yeah. So. Cardi B does not have your best interests at heart. <laughs> no, the Cardi B's and the, you know, the people who made cuties, uh, the, uh, yeah. the, they don't have girls and young women's best interests at heart. Yeah. The society is pushing you towards a disaster for your life. We want to help you find the pathway to the best life. Yeah, my marketing background, I, I talk about this a lot, how, you know, in a boardroom when they're thinking of the next movie line, it's never, how can we help young men and women have healthy relationships? No, we're, we're thinking of how can we make 50 shades of questionable decisions so people will line up to the box office and money, money, money. You know, it's never, never like you said, the best interest at heart, but I love how you said there are people who do. Um, okay, I yeah. want to touch on two things. Um, real quick that you said that I don't want to be overlooked. Um, a woman's pelvis, I remember you saying is almost like a thumbprint, so unique to her, yes. which screams monogamy. So I, I love that. The nerve system to a woman's pelvis. Again, if you, if you do a, a, a scan on a woman's pelvis, you'll see it is like a thumbprint. What's going to satisfy that woman is going to be individual to her as opposed to, you know, one size fits all, uh, yeah. this wham, bam, thank you, ma'am hookup type situation. And again, it does scream monogamy. It does yeah. scream monogamy. Totally. And then um, you mentioned this a few times, but I just want to close on the women's superpower, <laughs> um, how we truly are just, we have much more power in this than we realize. And so from a guy who studies this kind of thing, so maybe we're asking women, listen, you can raise the bar. You can demand to be treated differently. You can say, this is important to me. And no, I'm not going to cross these lines. What do you think would happen, largely speaking, would guys be like, okay, would they like, okay, never mind? Like, I mean, obviously it depends on the guy, but like, how do you see this in a dream world? We're talking to a lot of sorority women who I believe are trendsetters looking at this in a big way in droves. If they start to be like, no, this is the standard. Where do you see this going in a good way? Oh yeah. That's, that's my hope and dream. And my prayer would be for sorority women, like for a whole sorority to, to take that stand and to start interacting with, uh, for, first of all, the fraternities to interact with in that way. And then other, you know, letting other sororities know, I think it would be, like I said, world changing because really the core of our culture is what we're talking about here. Particularly our women's, our female sexuality is the core of our culture because it sets the tone for so many other things. So I think it would go over very well. And again, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a high testosterone man. <laughs> so you were a football uh, player. Yeah, I played college football and and all of that. I'm your I'm your I guess stereotypical college 
jock, so to speak. And, and uh, you know, I played in the big leagues and all that, but I think they would be respected. I think it would, again, it'd be one of those things, Katie, like that you're saying in, in your, in your work that sorority girls can change the world. They absolutely can. And this is maybe the most important way they could change it because yeah. sorority women are looked up to yeah. in my experience, basically sorority women set the tone on campuses, you know, for the, the social uh, atmosphere, the social, social culture. So I would say it'd be a huge positive change. And again, these men would start treating you with respect. They would start calling you instead of maybe just texting you. They would actually show up on time. They would actually, like I said earlier, open the door for you. They would, again, you don't have to have those kind of things, but I just think as a man that it shows the proper respect and, and the proper valuation, so to speak, you know? So I just think so much better behavior would be brought on by that. I don't think it. I know it. Again, I know the science on it, and I also know the experience. I have my own experience, and, and I also have the experience of teaching young people for a long time. So I've observed this along the way. And this is uh, probably the thing I would wish for most in my work. My life is kind of dedicated to this whole, whole thing. That would be my highest wish is for girls and young women because it can be young women out, you know, that have graduated from college and on into their 20s. Because I've done a bunch of research with my, a lot of my, you know, post-grads. I think that whole, you know, high school through about 35 age group, but particularly with the bullseye being the uh, sororities and the colleges, I think they could really make a huge positive uh, impact. And I think, ladies, you would love it. You would love the way it, it is compa then compared to how it is now because you'd see a lot of gentlemanly uh, behavior that you may not be seeing much at all now. And just respect, like I said, and, and empathy. You know, there's something we call sexual empathy. You know, knowing a lot, like you know, hopefully quite a bit more now about the other sex than you did before this conversation. And hopefully at some point, you know, if you, if you forced them to, they would learn, they would learn more about you. They would learn that it's like, you're like a thumbprint, so to speak, you yes. know, in your sexuality. I just think that this only has potential for upside. There's a little downside because you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't want to lose this guy. I really like this guy, you know, because you know, if I don't give him what he wants, then basically, you know, Jennifer or whatever, will have a better shot at him, that type of thing. I don't believe that. I think that you have the best shot by being hard to get for one of a better phrase and showing your value, showing that you, you have self-worth in yourself. And this is above and beyond everything else. I didn't mention this earlier, but I want to get this across. We're kind of all set up. And again, I think this is by God to have all this instinct and especially on the female side, the instinct, because our babies, our children, our future adults, the ones that you girls are going to have someday, you're they take the longest by far of any species on earth for them to mature to where they can take care of themselves. You know, people would say 18, a lot of parents would say more like 25, you know, to be able to absolutely take care of themselves. Most other species, most other creatures, they're young are you know, like a horse can run as soon as they're, as soon as they're born, they can take care of themselves basically. But we need that nurturing. We need those oxytocin bonds from, especially from the mother to the child, but also the father to the child fatherless homes there's as you probably know there's so many problems that, that come from fatherless homes i guess what i'm so impassioned about here is if you can take this up as your cause 
you're changing not only the life for the better for yourself. And we talked about the future, you know, your health, the way girls health, health state is affects the future. You're also affecting the future of this country because there's so many problems in this country that come off of fatherless homes. There's just so many levels of this, of benefit. It's like uh, crazy that, that it's gotten to the point that it has, but girls, sorority girls, again, absolutely have the, have the um, ability to change the world and in a huge way and a, in a huge positive direction. Yeah. Oh, and say the, the problem behind the problem, we talk all day long about foster care and, you know, fatherless homes, but the problem behind the problem is this gift called sex and treating it in the way it's supposed to be treated and handled with care. Yes. Yeah. And it absolutely comes down to that. And it seems too simple, but sex, when you think about it is it's how we produce the next generation and the next generation after that, it's a very special thing Sacred. between a a woman and a man. It's miraculous basically when it's done right. And it's so can be so damaging when it's done wrong. Well, Dr. Joe, I could talk to you for three more hours and you've given us so much wisdom, but I want to close with the question I ask all of our guests. And I love that you have, um, you've just given us so much wisdom, but if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what's one thing you would tell that young man? Another great question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I could, uh, I guess, really focus everything I've said here in our time together today and get it across to that young man, that's what I would do because I learned, I've learned a lot from what I described before, working with the girls and young women throughout life. I've learned a lot from all my degrees and that type of thing, the PhD and all that. But the, probably the thing that I learned the most from was my own experience as far as the pain that handling this incorrectly, handling this in the way it's, it's really being handled widely these days cause has caused me a, a ton of pain and, and a ton of uh, hurting other people that didn't have to ha- happen. So it's something that for a man, especially if a woman kind of puts him in line, like I'm talking about, and then they go down that pathway together, it's such a rewarding pathway. And the other way, the other lifestyle is such a, a losing a pathway. So I would try to tell myself in a nutshell, as much of what we've talked about here today as I could. And I would say, say to myself, listen to this guy. He knows he wants to save you a lot of, a lot of trouble and a lot of um, hurt, not only for yourself, but a bunch of other people as well. So, so that's what I would do. Yes. I know. I always say no one my age looks back and says they wish they would have had more sexual partners. (laughs) No. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, again, once that you get on that track and, listen to me out there ladies you get on the track we're talking about all that's just going to become kind of a bad memory and kind of a a hazy hazy bad memory what's going to take over in your life is all these positives all all this um just it's what life was meant to be i guess is what i'm trying to say amen thank you for being here and i'm so excited to share this with our listeners i'm very excited for them to hear it and i'm very honored to have spent this time with you and with your girls Thanks so much. Oh my gosh. What a cool dude. Dr. Joe. I mean, you guys, he really is the real deal. I've had several conversations with him through a group of women that I 
work with, and he just genuinely wants to help the next generation of women, you know, and make a difference. If you remember at the very beginning, he started with physical fitness and realized he was only helping one person at a time. And then with the scientific research, realizing he can help multiple generations with educating women how to care for their bodies. And especially when it comes to sexual wellness, there's just so much to unpack that the world isn't telling you. And that is genuinely his heart is just to educate and empower young women that you can change the world. And <laughs> that's how we got connected. Um, he had this heart. He's like, wow, you know, sorority women have a really big power and a, a ability to make change when it comes to this hookup culture. And someone who knew what I was doing is like, you need to talk to Katie Bulmer. And that's how we got to be friends. And I am just so passionate for his message and how he wants to help young women. And I hope that you learned something today. I know I certainly did. I challenge you to share this on social media by just saying, I just learned my superpower. Maybe you could just say that I learned my superpower through this episode. Um, and if you're too shy to share it on social media, just share it with a friend privately through text. But I would love for you guys to share this, this episode with as many people as possible. Cause I really feel like this is, this is life-changing when women understand their worth and raise the bar in dating and don't settle for less. Uh, I'm just saying it could change the world.